Hello everyone, this is uh, Brother Antoine Johnson coming to you um, today. I hope that this message and this lesson finds you well. Uh, we are going to be uh, continuing our New Life series on um, Disciple, um, uh, Lesson 12 specifically, uh, The Resurrection from the Dead. Uh, this is located on page 49 of the booklet that you received, and uh, uh, hopefully you can follow along. I, I certainly would like to thank Brother Bren White uh, and the eldership of the Laurel Church of Christ uh, for giving me this opportunity to, to lead and to teach in this capacity. Um, <clears throat> I will give you my email uh, uh, in case you have any questions or any comments. I'll, uh, I'll give it to you now and then also give it to you at the end. Um, it is Antoine G. Johnson at gmail.com, Antoine G. Johnson at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, if you will, uh, please uh, pray with me as we uh, get started. Uh, Heavenly Father and our God, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, we thank you so much for this opportunity to study uh, your word uh, we pray uh, for the Holy Spirit's guidance as we read and uh, as we gain knowledge. We pray for the application of the knowledge and the application of your word to our lives. We thank you for each and every moment that you give us. And we look forward uh, to the resurrection uh, and uh, seeing you and being with you in heaven uh, one day. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. And so uh, we're going to be... Uh, addressing today some facts concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Uh, we will talk about uh, those that witnessed uh, his resurrection, uh, how that he is uh, the firstborn uh, from the dead, uh, and what that actually means, uh, what his resurrection means for us as Christians, and how we can look forward to the victory that is wrapped up in our very own resurrection if indeed we die uh, in the Lord. So, if you would follow along in your books, um, uh, under the heading, Witnesses of the Resurrection, belief that Jesus died uh, and rose from the dead on the third day is critical uh, to the Christian faith. Um, the apostles uh, make belief in the resurrection of Jesus a non-negotiable uh, uh, aspect of our faith. Um, we, we know that there are so many foundational principles or truths that hinge on the fact that Christ has risen from the dead. Uh, for example, if Christ be not risen, why should we also believe that we will one day be resurrected ourselves? Um, when you consider uh, the act of baptism, uh, which is in fact a burial by faith into water, uh, and in doing so we die and we are united with Christ's death, his burial and his resurrection. And according to Romans uh, chapter 6, when we rise, we rise to walk in new life. We rise in new life. So uh, this whole process of forgiveness of past sins and dying uh, in faith to rise to new life rests on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, so many things that Christ said and promised 
are made void if, in fact, he did not rise from the dead. I think of him saying to his disciples, uh, I go to prepare a place for you in John chapter 14. He says, I will come back to take you with me uh, so that you also can be where I am. Uh, now, he couldn't go to prepare anything if he remained in the grave. Uh, he was killed on earth and there was no place uh, on earth just yet that was prepared for us. So we hope in the fact that Christ went to prepare this place after his resurrection uh, when he went back to the Heavenly Father in heaven. Uh, and so all these things uh, and uh, many more things rest on the hope and the fact that Christ indeed uh, was risen uh, from uh, the dead or did rise from the dead. Uh, we see that there are many witnesses uh, to uh, this resurrection. The preaching of the apostles was to be the witnesses to this fact. Um, if Christ uh, has not been raised again, our faith is futile and we are still in our sins. But we see that uh, we turn to the most historically accurate book, the Bible itself, which testifies of the resurrected Christ and those that saw him after his resurrection. We think of uh, those that bore uh, witnesses in the form of the apostles, uh, 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 Paul and Peter. Um, uh, we also see uh, the 500 that is mentioned. Uh, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, beginning at verse number 1 through 19. And uh, I'm going to start reading at verse number 3. Uh, here Paul is outlining what the gospel is for us. Uh, for I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and he was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Uh, verse 5, and uh, that he was seen by Cephas, uh, who is Peter, uh, then by the twelve. In verse number 6, and after that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, uh, of whom the greater part remained to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Verse number seven, after that he was seen by James, uh, then by all the apostles. Uh, then last of all, he was seen by me also as he was one, as uh, by, uh, by me also as by one born out of due time. And so you, we see here the list of witnesses that are recorded in the Holy Scriptures about those who had seen and bore witness uh, to the resurrected Christ. And we know that Paul uh, had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. Christ on the road to Damascus uh, when uh, Jesus um, asked of him why he was persecuting him. In other words, why was he uh, doing this? Uh, specifically, he said it is hard uh, for him to kick against the pricks. Why, Paul, why are you persecuting me at the time he was Saul? Uh, and then we see Peter uh, in Acts chapter 2, 22 through 41, and in verse 32 specifically bearing witness and stating that those gathered were witnesses as well to Christ's uh, uh, death. In this discourse uh, on the day of Pentecost, he actually mentions how uh, David had died and his tomb was still with them on that day. Uh, but it was not so with Christ, uh, because if you were to investigate his tomb, you would find that he 
uh, was not there, that there was no remains there. In Acts chapter 3, verses 11 through 26, uh, narrowing and zeroing on verse number 15, uh, as uh, Peter and the apostles are preaching at Solomon's porch in the temple, uh, he states that they were all witnesses. They were all witnesses. In Acts chapter 4, uh, verse number 10, um, it states that uh, God had raised Christ from the dead. Uh, in, in Acts chapter 5, verse number 30, Peter says the same thing again, who the God of our fathers raised from the dead. Uh, verse number 31 says, Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Speaking of, of course, uh, Jesus uh, the Christ. In Acts chapter 10, Verses 34 through 43, zeroing in on verse number 40, Peter again says, God raised him up preaching to Cornelius, Cornelius' household. Again, so Peter and the apostles are bearing witness to the resurrected Christ. And again, in Acts chapter 24, Paul himself mentions the resurrection of the dead. Um, so, so we see that we have many witnesses by the Bible record that Christ indeed uh, has risen uh, from the dead. Now, uh, if we go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and we begin at, uh, at verse uh, number, number 12, um, the Bible records uh, these, these words, and we see that the risen Christ, as reported by so many witnesses, including the apostles, he in fact is our hope. The fact uh, that he rose from the dead is our hope. Uh, it says in verse number 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Now, if Christ is preached and he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Uh, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up. If in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Uh, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are, we are of all men the most uh, pitiable. We are of all men the most uh, pitiable. This is the crux of the matter, y'all. Uh, truly, uh, this is why there has, has to be a resurrection, and this is why Christ must have had been ri uh, risen. Uh, it just has to be. Uh, furthermore, what a dreadful life we are living if, if this is all that it is, you know, this is all that there is in this life. Uh, there, are, there are some that teach just that, that this is it. Uh, that m once you've lived on this earth, uh, that's all. And this is all that we have. Um, this earth, uh, which is currently being ravaged by disease, and that has been and continues to be ravaged by famine and, and pestilence and, and all sorts of destruction. And, um, you know, uh, uh, currently we, we're dealing with the coronavirus, COVID-19. Uh, and so I, 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 I think to myself that this could not be it. This can't be it. There must be a, 
uh, an afterlife. There must be an, a resurrection. Um, I have heard it said that this current life is, is actually the dream. This is the dream. And what is to come, that is, in the afterlife, that is, eternity, is, is actually what is real. Uh, it just places the importance and the value not on the now, but on the future, on, the, on tomorrow, on life eternal. But if Christ be not risen, all our teaching, all our preaching, all our gathering and singing, and all the good works and, the, and letting our light so shine before men so that uh, they may glorify God the Father, all the loving thy neighbor as, a, uh, as yourself and all the truth telling and, and the good seeking that we are doing, it all, all is in vain. And that's why Paul uh, calls us uh, all of most men, uh, all of all of the men, all of men, the most pitiable. Um, we might as well uh, pack pack it all up, you know, throw our, throw our hands up in the air and and bury our heads in the sand and do whatever feels that that it's right uh, because uh, it doesn't it doesn't matter. But we know the truth. Uh, we have confidence in the fact that God's word does matter. And that uh, there is a resurrection and Christ is, in fact, coming again uh, to give to each man, each human being, his just reward. Uh, the Bible says that Christ was the firstborn uh, from uh, the dead. So just as Jesus rose from the grave, we too will rise. Uh, we'll be, uh, we will be the people we are now, but we will be different. And while we may not understand exactly what we will be like. We know that we will be like him. Uh, before we get to that point, we, we do understand that the Bible does say that Christ was the firstborn uh, from the dead. In Colossians chapter 1, uh, at verse number 15, it says uh, he is the, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Then in verse number 18, it says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that, it, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Uh, when we look at Revelation uh, chapter 1, verses 4 through 7, we see John testifying to these things. Uh, and beginning in verse number 4, it says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So the Bible shows that uh, and, and states that Christ is the, is the firstborn from the dead. But what does this term uh, firstborn really mean? In the Greek, uh, the term firstborn uh, first means actually the one who was born first. <laughs> you know, you have children and who, whichever child is born first, that is your firstborn. Uh, but it also can mean, uh, the term can also mean uh, having the position of preeminence, uh, holding the place of the firstborn in regards to honor and in regards to power. Uh, uh, the, the son born in, in, in the Jewish culture got two-thirds of the inheritance. Uh, he was the premier one, uh, um, uh, the one. Uh, uh, so the words firstborn came to be associated uh, with this. 
a position of honor, a position of preeminence. Uh, so God is saying that he will give Jesus the preeminence, the high position. Uh, this is proven in Psalm 89 verse 27, um, uh, where the Bible declares uh, that, uh, and it says, I will make King David firstborn. Uh, that means make him preeminent, uh, the highest of all the kings of the earth in regards to rule and, and power. Now, David was not the firstborn. In fact, um, he was the lastborn of his father, Jesse. And so it, it, there is figurative language here that we can, uh, we can, we can identify, that, well, identify with. So God is saying, I will make him powerful, uh, make him have rule. In fact, the scripture actually in, 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 in Psalm 89 is a prophecy of Jesus Christ. Uh, so Christ was not the literal firstborn from the dead. We know that there were others that were raised from the dead. Lazarus was raised before Christ was, de- uh, was raised from the dead. And, and uh, in fact, Christ raised Lazarus from the dead and, and then Lazarus died again. Uh, and there were others, but he was the firstborn in the sense, Christ was the firstborn in the sense that he was the most important. He was the premier one that was, uh, that was raised. Now, there are a lot of thoughts uh, when it comes to the afterlife, um, there are a lot of, of things about what we, uh, a lot of thoughts about what we will be when we are, um, you know, when we come to that part, that eternal part of life. Um, uh, we, we can read in, in, the, in our lesson um, where it says, Christ the firstborn from the dead and under, it says, uh, that we will be the people uh, we are now, but we will be different. And while we may not understand exactly what we will be like, uh, we know we will be like him. Um, how does the scriptural depiction of our resurrection like Jesus differ from what people commonly think of as happening after uh, we die? Um, you know, there, there again, there are a lot of beliefs, a lot of thoughts about what we will be like in the afterlife. In fact, some believe that there is no afterlife at all. Um, some believe that there is a purgatory, so to speak, in, in which those that remain on the earth can, can influence the eternal destination or final outcome for those who are held in purgatory. Uh, some believe that you can uh, come back as another person in, in the form of reincarnation. Uh, some believe you can come back even as another being or even as an animal. Uh, could you imagine that? Some believe that souls can be trapped on earth in spirit form. Um, you see this portrayed a lot in movies and on television uh, where these souls or spirits are unable to pass. They are unable to pass on on their journey to the next realm. Some even believe that those who have passed on can be reached and communicated to and channeled through mediums and sorcery. Uh, some believe that there are some of us who will uh, go to heaven and some of us that will stay uh, on an everlasting uh, earth. There are some religious groups that believe that. Listen, I am so glad uh, that we have a Bible uh, that God has given to tell us exactly what is going to happen to our bodies uh, and our spirits. Um, I submit to you that I am looking forward to a new body. In fact, uh, a glorious body. That's what I'm looking forward to. I have no idea uh, how it will look or even feel. Uh, but there are some definite assurances that we see in Scripture. Uh, uh, the Bible speaks of this earthly tabernacle 
uh, and this and this body that we have. You know, this body that we have goes through so much. Uh, this 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 earthly body, uh, it will fail. And no doubt about it, folks. That this earthly tabernacle, this flesh, uh, in which we are all dressed in, this body will will someday uh, be no more. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, we are commanded to take care of our bodies as our temple. Uh, uh, but no, ma- no matter what you do or how you do it, uh, you just keep on living and time will indeed catch up with you uh, and catch up with your body. Uh, it doesn't matter how fit you are, uh, what type of ointments or oils you, you use to rub into your skin, uh, no matter how organic you eat, uh, you know, th- there is one appointment that we will all have to make and that is the appointment of death. That is the one that is one of the guarantees that you will face in this life uh, and that you will have to face that being death. Uh, This is if Christ doesn't come back uh, to call us home first uh, before we uh, we uh, depart this world uh, in the form of death. Um, The Bible says that it is appointed appointed for man to die uh, once in Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27, and then the judgment. Uh, it is certainly that being death inevitable. Uh, we just have to be ready. Uh, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, verses 20 uh, through 49, we have a description of what that new body would be like. If we look at verse, if we start at verse number 42, uh, it says, So also in the resurrection of the dead, the body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption, or it is imperishable in some uh, versions. Uh, the Greek word there is um, uh, aphasia, uh, meaning it is imperishable. It is perpetual and pure. There is no end to it. It is immortal. Uh, if we keep on reading, uh, reading in verse number 43, uh, it say, uh, the Bible says that it is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. Uh, glory there being being splendor, uh, something magnificent, some uh, some 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 prominence as assigned by God that God gives. Uh, we continue reading verse forty three. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. So we see that it it will be powerful. Uh, it, it is uh, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Uh, there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. Uh, the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spirit, spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterward the spiritual. Verse number 47, uh, the first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And so there is another look at what type of, of body is going to be a heavenly body. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man, uh, that spiritual image. Um, if we look at 1 John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 uh, through 3, we learn that we shall be like him. Uh, verse number one of First uh, John chapter one, it says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now uh, we are children of God and it, and it has not yet been revealed 
what we shall be. There it is. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I don't necessarily need to know everything. I don't need to know every detail. All I need to know is that I will be uh, like him. Uh, Amen. And now I am good to go. Uh, So our new body will be, it will be spiritual, the Bible teaches. It will be different from from this fleshly body or this natural body that exists on earth now because it will be heavenly. Uh, two, it will be incorruptible. It will be imperishable or immortal. Uh, death has no authority over this new body, no influence over it. And we're going to look into this a little later. Uh, it says that it will be powerful. The Bible says it will be powerful. It will be glorious. And finally, it will be like him. That is like Jesus's post-resurrection status. We will be like him. Uh, we look at 1 Corinthians Uh, Chapter 15, um, if we begin reading again at verse number 50, it says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. There it is again, that Greek word, Aphrasia uh, will be incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So the question that we have for death is death, where is your sting? Uh, We know that the ultimate weapon of this world is to do away with us if it can, um, if we do not conform, uh, because uh, you know, because we will rise to eternal life with Christ. Even this will not not stop us. Even death will not stop us, uh, because Jesus defeated death, and and we never need to fear in doing uh, God's will. Uh, you know what the scripture tells us in First Corinthians, uh, begin with reading in First Corinthians chapter 15, uh, where we were and where we are uh, at verse number 54. It, it says this. Uh, so when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? Paul is saying here, death, where is your deadly weapon? Paul attributes death personified as a sting, a deadly weapon. O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. With this resurrected change, folks, death has no dominance. Amen. It cannot win. It has no influence. It is a loser with a big, big L, a loser. Verse number 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. So we must remain faithful and steadfast if we are to 
if we are to make it in, if we are to um, obtain the gift of heaven. Um, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, verses 13 through 18, we see the comfort of Christ's coming. Um, and in Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 31 through 39, it tells us that nothing, in fact, will separate us from God's everlasting love, not even death. Um, if we begin reading at verse number 31, uh, we see uh, the Bible says uh, in Romans chapter 8, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who died, who, he who did not spare his own son, uh, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is given, who is even at the right hand of God, excuse me, who also makes intercession for us. So not only is, is Christ risen, uh, but he is risen and he is at the right hand of God. And he also makes intercession on our behalf. That's what the Bible tells us. Verse number 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Uh, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all the day long. Uh, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Verse number 37. Yet... In all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, there it is, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. To live, my friends, is Christ. In Philippians chapter 1, uh, verses 19 through 26, this is what Paul is describing. He says, for me to live, in verse number 21, for, for me to, for, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Uh, but if I live on in the flesh, uh, this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet, what I shall choose, I cannot tell, for I am hard-pressed between two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. So, we see uh, that the scriptures tell us that we will not uh, be bound by death in the resurrection. And that is comforting to us because we will have the victory over death given to us uh, by God. So, what is the guarantee of our resurrection? Uh, what is a guarantee? A guarantee is, is a promise that something uh, will be or will happen as stated. Uh, it is an insur assurance that certain things will be fulfilled no matter what. Uh, I submit to you today that the Holy Spirit is our guarantee. Uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit we receive when we are baptized is our guarantee that we will, will, will rise like Christ did. The fruit he bears in us are the characteristics of citizens in heaven. Our lives as, as Christians are preparing us for the eternal weight of glory when he who raised the Lord will raise us also with 
Jesus. Uh, and this is what it says in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, beginning at verse number 13, it says, And since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written. So we have that spirit of faith. Uh, it says, I believed uh, and therefore I spoke. Uh, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. Verse number 16 uh, of Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed uh, day uh, by day. So we're talking about uh, how we have been giving the spirit uh, as a, a guarantee, as an assurance uh, of uh, the resurrection. Um, if we were to think about uh, this, this body that we have, uh, that Paul describes here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number six, 16 as perishing, uh, you know, this outward man that we are given uh, is not getting any younger. It's not getting any healthier. Uh, the more and more we live, the more and more broken down it gets. Um, and uh, Paul describes uh, a light affliction in verse number 17 for our light affliction, which is but for a moment is, is working for us as, as a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Uh, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Again, uh, this body is temporary. This flesh is temporary. In First Peter chapter one verse twenty-four, uh, as we as we divert a little bit and come back to the thought of uh, of us having the spirit as our guarantee, uh, it says uh, that the flesh is temporary. You know, we think about uh, the promise number three score and ten. Uh, if you happen to be one of the, the blessed ones, uh, and many folks don't even make it to 70, uh, judge uh, the age of 80 or even 90. Uh, but in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 24, it says, Because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of men as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and it flowers fa falls away. Uh, now you, when you look at the beautiful flowers that bloom, uh, they are absolutely stunning. They're beautiful. But certainly they are temporary. They are there one day and they are gone to next. That, that is what it is like uh, to be in this flesh. It's, it's temporary. And verse number 25 contrasts uh, that which is eternal with that which is temporary. It says in verse number 25, But the word of the Lord endures forever. Uh, now this is the word which the gospel was preached. Uh, the word which by the gospel was preached uh, to you. Uh, so again, we'll, we, we turn again to that assurance of our resurrection, which is the Holy Spirit that was given to us. Um, if we return to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, uh, we, we, can, we can reflect on how the Holy Spirit is certainly our guarantee. Uh, for we know, it says in verse number 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 
for in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed uh, with, our, in, with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. Uh, for we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, uh, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. There it is. Don't miss that. We have a guarantee. In verse number six, so we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For if we, uh, for we walk by faith and not by sight, we are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So there lies our confidence in God because he and only he has given us this guarantee in the person of the Holy Spirit. So with this, uh, we have an understanding of our hope uh, that we will be raised one day uh, to be with God in heaven forever. Uh, what is the ultimate goal of the Christian life then based on this hope? Uh, well, let's continue in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Um, it says in verse number 9, Therefore, we make it our aim, we make it our goal, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. And there it is. That is the goal, to be well-pleasing to God. Uh, we must make it our aim. We must make, make it our uh, our focus, we must have laser focus, uh, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You know, Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 22 through 26, talks about the fruits of the Spirit, and that's what we ought to do as a part of the goal. We ought to walk in the Spirit, exhibiting those fruits of the Spirit. Uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, uh, Romans chapter 8, verses 18 through 25, it talks about how we move from suffering to glory. That is certainly a part of the hope, moving from suffering uh, to glory. Our hope is not what we can see, but our hope is in what is next, uh, that uh, which is to come, that is after the resurrection, that which we cannot see. Uh, this is why uh, Paul kept pressing toward the goal uh, with this hope of the resurrection. Uh, and like Paul, we should keep pressing toward the goal as well. In, in Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 12, beginning at verse 12, um, uh, the apostle writes this, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfect, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the goal. Uh, this is the aim. This is the hope that we have. Uh, and we have to bear in mind that our citizenship is not of this earth, but our citizenship is in heaven. We are citizens of heaven. Um, uh, in verse number 20 of, of Philippians uh, chapter 3, 
Paul states just this, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that, in, that it may be conformed uh, to his glorious body. There it is again, the glorious body we're talking about, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. So the goal is heaven. The goal is heaven, not this current world, not this current earth. Uh, this is why Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust uh, can destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Uh, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hope is such a powerful thing to possess, uh, guys. Uh, uh, a man without hope is like a man without a tomorrow. Uh, there is nothing to live for. Uh, you have no motivation to keep pressing on. Paul said that he presses. Uh, he is doing something active. It's not a passive thing. It takes some energy to press on in this life. Uh, hope is the fuel. Uh, it is that motivation uh, and that fire that, uh, that keeps us pressing on looking forward to something better. Uh, that is why we have to encourage one another all the more as we see that day approaching. Uh, that is what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses, uh, verse number 25, where it says uh, that we shouldn't forsake the assembling of ourselves. Uh, so with that in mind, I, I leave you with the following questions that are found on uh, page number 51 of the booklet. Uh, what is your attitude towards death? Uh, is it something that you fear? Uh, how can faith in Christ's resurrection and the reality that God will raise us also with Jesus and bring us into his presence overcome that fear with peace, boldness, and steadfastness? Uh, think about these things and meditate on, uh, on these things as you, um, as you go from day to day. Um, uh, with this, I hope that this lesson has been uplifting and encouraging to you. Um, if you have any questions uh, and or comments, uh, certainly please forward them uh, to me. Uh, again, my email uh, is AntoineGJohnson at gmail.com. Um, and uh, I thank you for, for tuning in. Uh, let us close in prayer. Uh, our Heavenly Father and our God, we thank you so much uh, for this hope. Uh, we thank you so much for allowing Christ uh, to die, for allowing him to be buried, but uh, also uh, for allowing him to be to be to be raised from the dead of oh, father we, we we thank you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ because we we can base our hope of, of the resurrection um, uh, from the dead uh, that will happen to us one day uh, that we can now see you and be with you and live with you eternally and share in the joys uh, uh, that you were providing and the, and the gifts that you have given in the eternal realm. Uh, we thank you for your word that uh, that shows us that these things will happen. Uh, we thank you for providing it. We thank you for your Holy Spirit in, in guiding us and, to, and helping us to understand um, uh, the very same word of Father uh, that we read. And so we thank you for all things and we ask that you be with us and you keep us and you bless us. Uh, thank you all. Uh, thank you again. Uh, please uh, be safe out there. Uh, God bless. <music>